0: really funny because i never left the east coast of the u.s until i was in my late teens but i made these mexican string bracelets was my first business and now i have a mexico obsession
1: there you go but
0: um, so these custom name bracelets like yeah they sell them all over mexico not so much down here but a little bit they're just like a hard backing and like a string winding around it and it's just your name their name bracelets they were very trendy you know when i was in elementary school people were coming back from vacation with it and a friend figured out how to make it and i figured out how to make it and we sold them now i had order forms i had calculated cost of goods sold even though my parents paid for my supplies because i was like in case i have to pay for it i didn't know business strategy i just knew it made sense for me to know how much money i was earning because that's how my brain works.
2: welcome to the innovative founder The show where entrepreneurs get real. Real. These are the raw, the gut-wrenching, often hilarious, sometimes shocking, and definitely entertaining stories of innovative business founders who are making their beautiful dent in the world. No BS, no posturing, and no narcissists allowed. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the unscripted adventures on today's episode. Now, here's your hairless hosts, Bob Rignaris and Brendan Boyd.
1: Hello, once again, all the innovative founders out there, thank you so much for tuning in again. We love that you are joining us. Thank you for reviewing the show. Thank you for rating the show. That means everything to us. If you ever think about it, if you could even think about it right now, just quickly open up that device and uh, uh, give us a good rating. Hopefully it's a five-star rating, but we're not asking you to to lie. But we'd love for you to uh, share the show with others. We are great growing this audience uh, quite regularly and people are catching on to the show we just love that people are getting a lot out of it and i and i'm really excited about people being excited about the format our guests are sharing themselves what brand and i love to do on the show is we are sharing who people are Um, Not so much what they do and what they do kind of comes out of it. But what our goal is each and every week is to bring you really interesting humans that are doing great things in the world of business. And we're digging into who they are and what makes them tick. And through those stories, through their transparency, we hope that you learn a lot. Today I'm really excited to introduce uh, somebody to you that I've known for a little while. I first met her when I was doing a uh, a podcast tour uh, after I launched my uh, Facebook book in 2020. Uh, I went on a marathon tour of getting on people's shows, and my my guest today, SD Star, had an amazing uh, podcast, and we just had a really fantastic chat. And since then, we've we've I've had a chance to do webinars for her audience and do some training and this is a real genuine person what you're going to hear is her journey over the past couple of years she's gone through some pretty emotional uh things uh, some traumatic things and we're just going to have a really candid discussion about where she where she is now what got her to this place and kind of some of the things she's learned along the way and some really cool childhood stories that I think you'll find entertaining. And uh, we really just are really honored to have Esty on the show today. Uh, She's internationally acclaimed. Uh, She's an award-winning marketing strategist. And overall, she's just really a fantastic human being that I think you uh, are really going to be excited to know. So with that, I want to introduce to you SD Star. I am sitting literally across from somebody who is in the jungles of Guatemala, believe it or not. And I know this is an audio podcast, but the idea of sitting with somebody who's now experiencing this amazing beauty, I'm like looking at it. It's right behind her. It's so gorgeous. It's a friend of mine. I've gotten to know her over the last year or so. Her name is Esty Star, and she has changed her name and she's probably going to talk about that. But Esty, so good to talk to you again today.
0: I'm so glad to be here and it's so nice to see you again.
1: Yeah, let's just start. You're in Guatemala. Like you're a human that loves experiences. So let's just talk about what you're experiencing right now.
0: So I'm actually at a program out here that is a group of top experience designers from around the world. So entrepreneurs, artists, musicians, all different people from around the world co creating experiences together and learning about experience design and it's been lovely. I have five children, and this is the longest I have been away from them since my eldest was born over 16 years ago.
1: Wow. Yeah.
0: So I have, uh, I've only ever left them for up to two weeks at a time, and even that is maybe not even a handful of times. This is... This was a big deal. This was a think. big.
1: This is a big deal. Yeah, yeah. parent leaving home for that long, and they're younger kids too. It's not like you're leaving teenagers and adults home.
0: No. So the <laughs> oldest is sixteen. The youngest is five.
1: Yeah, and I know how much you love your kids. So this had to be a really big deal. What's the whole whole reason for going? What are some of the things that you're looking to get out of the experience?
0: So, a big part of it was my divorce was like a two and a half year process that Mm. ended a couple of months ago. And I was just hitting levels of burnout that I could not get out of.
3: Mm. I
0: was like on the edge of burnout for months and months. And I took it easy and I went away for weekends and I ate better and took more care. I did all the things and I wasn't getting out of it. And this opportunity came my way and everything. I was just like, I need to do this. I need to do this not. Just for myself, I need to do this for my family and Mm. for my children to replenish myself. And it felt right, even though it was an extremely hard decision. And I feel so blessed in that two and a half year process. And we went from a lot of acrimony to a beautiful co-parenting relationship my ex okay. and I. And so the children are with their dad this whole time, who they love. And he and I have been in communication the whole time. There've been a couple urgencies, I'm video calling in, like I've been involved with them, seeing them, but I needed this to recalibrate myself to my new life. I yeah. did change my name and all these changes. I wasn't catching up with them. I needed yeah. that. that like separation, that quiet, I guess. I guess the universe presented this to me on very little notice. I made this decision about a week before I got connected to the founder by a friend, interviewed on a Thursday and flew out the following Friday.
1: Okay. Sometimes you have to be decisive, right?
0: Yeah. It just, everything about it was everything that I was calling in. Yeah. It just sounded like everything I needed. It's
1: obviously something that you manifested.
0: Clearly. (laughs) Very clearly. (laughs) Yeah, we're staying at these like stunning mansions in the jungle in Guatemala. Full-time maid service, chef-made meals, beautiful, high-conscious humans. I've never done co-living before. That's been brand new also. Mm. I've lived with a spouse and children. I've never lived with other adults. It was a whole new thing. Lots of new things. I hiked a 15,000-foot volcano. Two weeks ago, I've never. I call everything else I've done until now a nature walk compared to that. Okay, compared
1: to yeah, that's that's high intensity.
0: Fifteen thousand feet at about five a.m. in zero visibility, fifty mile per hour wind, twenty degrees. I was like, what? Crazy person does this when they've done it before? Yeah, right. I only did this because I didn't know what this was. Now I know,
1: and now and,
0: and now I'd probably do it again because it was really cool.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so. I imagine that there's a lot of people listening that have gone through a traumatic experience. And I know how traumatic it was for you and emotional going through a divorce and things like that. I don't want to dig into the, the dirty details. I think that would be unfair to you. But speaking from where you began that and where you're at now, what are some things that you could offer as like hopeful points or just some things for people that are going through something and they're like, where's the light? Where's the end of this? How do I get through this?
0: So you said something before about manifestation. And I think there's a lot of talk about manifestation and law of attraction out there. And I think there's a bit of a misunderstanding. People think law of attraction is actually law of control, Mm -hmm. which is not a thing that exists where they think that if I think about it in this way and I do this thing, I'm going to get the thing I want when I want it. That's not actually how the game works.
1: No, it is not called
0: law of attraction, not law of control. I will say in my divorce process, it was extremely challenging, partly from a place of identity. I really identified as like wife, mother, business owner. Mm. And suddenly I wasn't a wife. I wasn't a full time mother anymore because we had a shared custody. My ex is a dedicated father. And I also ended up, I wouldn't say losing my business. Let's just say pausing my business through the divorce process. It wasn't something that was manageable along with the divorce. And so I lost everything. I shifted religion. I changed my name. That wasn't even on purpose. It just ended up feeling right at some point. And uh, such a huge identity shift from where I was with certain desires that I had for custody, for arrangements that I had no leverage on. I'm very grateful to be healthy, but I almost compared it to someone who's sick, who just has no cure. And I was stuck. I was completely stuck. The courts had, I had no leverage in the courts. I had no leverage with my ex-husband who had his idea of what he wanted. And it was not my idea, but the courts were in his favor in what Mm. he wanted, both in terms of financial settlement. For me, I, Pay child support and alimony in terms of what he wanted in custody. That was not how I wanted it. And I, there were a lot of tears and there was a lot of manifesting. And what that meant for me was I never took my eye off the price. Even when I didn't get what I wanted, it looked like I had no way to get what I wanted. I got to the point where I like threw my hands up and said, I have no way to do this, but I still believe that this is what's right. So i Just going to try anything I can think of and miracles, miracles in, I got the custody arrangement that I felt was the best for my children. I got a settlement arrangement that not exactly what I might've envisioned was so much better than what it looked like I was in for. And most importantly, genuinely, most importantly, a beautiful co-parenting relationship, which started out very acrimonious.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And that was a two and a half year process. That was not bad. I remember when we first split speaking to a mentor, I was like, okay, three months. That's it. Three months. I'm done. He's like, listen, it might be six months. You need to just be a little patient. I was like, it shouldn't take more than one month. This shouldn't be that complicated. I obviously have all the right answers. I am obviously the one in the right. I have a good plan for how this should look.
1: True type A driving entrepreneur, right? Oh, like yes. We could plan oh, yes. our way through this. We could goal our way through this, right?
0: Yes. And then as it unfolded, it became clear that there were other people with other plans who also thought their plans were right. Then there were California court systems that really couldn't care less about circumstances, Story. What actually happened? Mm. Even things that both sides validated, the courts don't care. They've got a set of laws, and those laws do not take anything else into consideration. And it wasn't three months, and it wasn't six months. It was two and a half years. <laughs> I think yeah. somewhere at the two-year mark is when I started to hit like despair. Okay. <laughs> I was like, this is the never-ending divorce. <laughs> I'm, I'm one of those.
1: It is. It is pretty lengthy. I,
0: yeah. I'm like, I'm one of those. I thought I was going to be done in three months. and two. I'm still here. I'm wow. still here. And so what I would tell people on the other side is sometimes the things that you want will take much longer than you think. I will say that I can see in hindsight that every part of that process was important. Mm. I'm not the same person on the other side who I was at the beginning was not the person that could get the outcome that I got at the end. Interesting. And there was just such a tremendous process of growth and development, understanding even some tr- strategic things. We have a 50-50 custody that's weekday, weekend. So the children are with me all the weekdays. They're with their dad on the weekends. That, that was what I felt was the best because of religion and because of all different things. It's just, yeah. I have small children and uh, the original arrangement was week on, week off, 50 So it's still 50-50, but one week with their dad, one week with me, I hated it. I genuinely Um, hated it because every other week was super, super intense. And then every other week, so quiet.
1: Oh, empty. Yeah.
3: Empty.
0: I went, I have five children. I went from living in my Mm. parents' house. I got married young, lived with my husband, had an open home with a lot of guests. We lived abroad. So we had a lot of expats and a lot of guests all the time, big hosts, and then child after child. And suddenly I'm living alone for the first time in my life in the middle of COVID and I have an empty house every other week. And I'm like... I did not know what to do with myself. Totally, totally new situation for you. Yeah. And I had no leverage to change it.
1: None. Wow.
0: But that time it was a year and a half like that. And I, I didn't want it to stay and I had no way to change it except to continue believing that it was going to change because I could not let go of the feeling that it wasn't right. Not just for me, but for the kids.
1: Um, And it's not unique just to entrepreneurs, but I think there's something with entrepreneurs who have, I don't want to call it unbridled enthusiasm, but it's kind of like just this uncommon belief in themselves Mm -hmm. and this it's. Most of us will describe it as like just a divine idea. This is what we know in our heart of hearts, this is the way things should be. And it's a lot of us use that to drive forward in our businesses, but it also in our personal life as well. And when we don't have that control and when things aren't going the way they want, it it's devastating to somebody who's used to having their hands on the steering wheel, the stick shift, the gas pedal, and the brake. It's literally like you're bound and tied and you're going along for a ride and you have no control. that's got to be very disorientated for somebody who's used to being behind the wheel.
0: Yeah. And for someone who still feels like they know where this car should be going, but has no ability oh. to get it
1: there. Oh. <laughs> like you're right there.
0: <laughs> I'm here and I can't do anything.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: That was super tough. But I would tell you that you just don't let go of the belief. I don't yeah. care how bleak it looks. I don't care how impossible it looks. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you how long it will take. I, my situation took, what, four, eight times, 10 times as long as that. Right. But every part of it was its own gift. And part of why I'm out here just processing yeah. so much of such a journey. But those that year and a half of week on, week off... I don't have that kind of space now. It's like kids, right. we can break, kids, we can break. And in that time, I started to find myself. I also developed some teams with the children when they were with me for those weeks. It was more time with them. So I'm the one who moved out of the family home mm. for legal reasons. California basically says that once a family establishes a community residence, both parties can always live there. Okay. So there was no way, my, my husband didn't want to leave even though I wanted him to. And so my only choice was to either go or stay with him. Okay. That was pretty much what I had available for choices. And so creating a new home for my children and having those full weeks to establish new routines, to establish that environment. My children and my ex are still ultra-Orthodox Jewish, which I was practicing for many years. I no longer identify quite like that. And so reestablishing what... The religion looks like in my home, and in ultra orthodox, it's a very patriarchal religion. And so, every seventh day, there's a Sabbath, and that Sabbath is led very much by the father, by the patriarch. Okay. And so, okay. having the children with me for those weekends, the father is meant to say the blessing at the at the holiday, the festive meal. All these things, totally uncharted ground. But yeah. creating those systems, it was extremely hard, but it was important. Yeah. I didn't want us to to do it at all, (laughs) but universe had other plans.
1: Hey, we hope uh, you are enjoying our conversation today with SD Star. What a fantastic human being, and a very knowledgeable human being, and the types of things that she is able to help small businesses out there with is is just really remarkable. And we want to invite you to avail yourself of uh, SD's free resources. If you go to sdstar.com forward slash free gift, uh, that's E-S-T-I-E-S-T-A-R-R.com. There's two R's in star, sdstar.com forward slash free gift. Uh, there's a lot of cool things that she is launching within the next few weeks uh, from when this uh, episode airs. And I think you want to be on the receiving end of that. If you are uh, looking for assistance in marketing your small business or even considering uh, going into marketing consulting yourself, I think you're going to want to be connected to SD. So SD Star, that's 2rs.com forward slash free gift. And now back to the show.
2: You're listening to The Innovative Founder. Now, back to your hosts, Bob Rickneris and Brendan Boyd.
1: That's a lot there, but essentially, you know, what I know and what you've shared a little bit is it's essentially it's almost like you were born again. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And you're just like, okay, what does the world look like for me now? What does it look like for my family that has to adjust? And what does my business look like? I think we'll get into some of those things. But, you know, it's again... Yeah, just imagine a newborn baby. They're not able to talk, but they let you know, I'm freaked out here. Like, why am I hungry? Why is my diaper dirty? So I mean, like they can't communicate. And I know just based on some of our conversations, you you felt a little bit like that. What's going yeah. on? I don't yeah. know where I am. I don't know who I am. Yeah. I don't know what I identify with. And But the, I think the hope is that you can start to rebuild it. And that's what you're doing now. I, yeah. And I love to see it. I would love SD. I'm going to rewind you in a minute, but Mm -hmm. I would love to dig into the name change. Uh, We know a couple people who've changed their last name and they got really cool stories. Tell me a little bit about how you came across the name star and it's star with two R's.
0: It is star with two R's. So interestingly, I've actually been using SD star, almost like a nickname for many years, since I was 14, I've been signing my name like that. Oh, more like SD with a star with an actual star. And that was my signature from when I was a teenager because I was always out of the box. So I used to sign my name S T with a star. That was my signature on the thank you cards from my wedding. (laughs) My ex-husband, we had thank you cards and my name on it was letter S letter T asterisk. That was how the thank you cards were printed. So I actually had my name like that. I never spelled it out like that, but that was something oh. I had for many years. Totally wasn't thinking about it. Genuinely wasn't thinking about it. And if I like to keep one foot in 3D and one foot in 5D. So I live in the real world, but I play a lot with quantum physics, consciousness, yeah. all the woo-woo things and I like yeah. them. And I also keep a foot in reality. And I do believe that there's a higher power. And I do believe that we can get messages and insights that our neocortex is not necessarily the one manufacturing. And you can feel it different. I feel it differently in my brain when I like suddenly get an insight than when I think through something. And so one of my most challenging points, just a little over a year ago, actually September of last year, after I'd gone to court or taken to court and ordered by the court to pay child support and alimony and a whole bunch of things. And I was just like, there is no justice in this world whatsoever. <laughs> None of the custody I wanted, paying money that I didn't feel I should have to pay. I was furious. I was broken. I was felt powerless. I really felt terrible. Yeah. And so what else should I do but take myself to Mexico? Um, <laughs> where I
3: like to hang
1: out. You've <laughs> got the good. theme running here.
0: Yeah. Latin America has been calling me. I'm, I'm, it's a thing. I've been in Mexico that once a month for the last year. Yeah. Uh, it didn't start in September. It started even before that, so it's more than a year now. And I'm in Mexico and I'm just like sitting there, like, universe, come on, what, what do you want me to do next? What do you want me to do next? <laughs> I, I went to court. Court's not going to help me. I got no leverage. I got nothing. What should I do next? And this was just the theme in my thoughts. And I just get this thought in my head of change your business name to start consulting. I'm like, that's weird. My business name is named after my last name, which was Rand formerly. Yeah. And I built that brand very well over very many years. I own like the first 30 pages of Google yes. on that name. I'm like, how would I, and like in my own head, I'm like, why would I change that name? I'm like, but if I change the name of my business, I would have to change my name. Otherwise it wouldn't make sense. And it was like, oh, so this voice in my head going, that's right. I was
1: like, oh, there you go. Ooh.
0: And I immediately was like, wait, what? I hadn't planned on changing my name. I had genuinely not. That was my brand. I built my whole brand on that name. Yeah. And I reached out to some friends and mentors. I was like, hey, sanity check. What do you <laughs> think about SC changing her name? Do you think that's like total crazy town or does that make sense? Because I don't know. I'm going to get an outside opinion. And unanimous feedback from friends, mentors, colleagues was all like, oh, hell yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> right, and,
0: and we love the name. And we love yeah. the name. And I STAR is an acronym. STAR is ST and Rand Roth, which is my former married name and maiden name. So what oh. it symbolizes to me is I'm not denying my past. I'm not erasing my past. I'm not erasing who I've been or where I've been or what I've done. I'm taking everything that I've been through and done pre-marriage, through marriage, from when I used to nickname myself with a letter S and T to spell out SD from a teenager, and putting that all together as a platform for which to launch my next stage.
1: And Beautiful. That's I, I never knew the acronym. That's,
0: that's the acronym, and that's, that's what it so means. So cool. To me. Yeah, and SD uh, actually is a nickname for Esther, and Esther is a Persian and it means star, right? Esther. Yes. Esther, astral, it's star. So. Theoretically, my name is Star Star, but Star that's a Star. little intense. So we're gonna keep it
1: SD Star. <laughs> People might confuse I, that for being narcissistic.
0: I did have a, a moment where I was like, I could go full on woo and just call myself Starlight. What do you think of that? My friends are like, No, <laughs> <laughs> they're like, Now you cross the crazy line. Just stick with SD. But we like the new last
1: name. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember the first time you shared it with me. And I, it was like, oh yeah, that's your identity. It was so clear. And I think others like, just saw that too. So just really cool. Well, yeah. let, let's go back. Oh, how did you get to where you are today? Tell me a little bit about your childhood. Did that entrepreneurial spirit kick in early for you?
0: Oh, very much. I started my first profitable business when I was 10. And 10. I ran it like I love an it. actual business. Yeah, I sold my own handiwork. I made these actually... <laughs> really funny because i never left the east coast of the u.s until i was in my late teens but i made these mexican string bracelets was my first business and now i have a mexico obsession there you go but um, so these custom name bracelets yeah they sell them all over mexico not so much down here but a little bit they're just like a hard backing and like a string winding around it and it's just your name their name bracelets they were very trendy when i was in elementary school People were coming back from vacation with it and a friend figured out how to make it and I figured out how to make it and we sold them. Now I had order forms. I had calculated cost of goods sold, even though my parents paid for my supplies. Cause I was like, okay. in case I have to pay for it. I didn't know business strategy. I just knew it made sense for me to know how much money I was earning. Cause that's how my brain works.
3: Wow. And I ran,
0: this. I looked for, I was actually ready to hire because at one point my demand was very high and I was like, why am I sitting and making all of these? I'll design them. I'll hire someone else to make them. I'm 10. It was 10. My children, I'm saying my oldest now 16. I see what 10-year-olds are. I'm like, I was very
1: cool. I don't know if you were cool, but you were certainly quite advanced.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like my 10-year-old, like two of them are actually a little bit business-minded, but they're like swapping potato chips for cookies. Okay. That's the yeah. business model. So I'm just yeah. selling bracelets with order forms and custom goods sold.
1: <laughs> That's remarkable. And so like, I were you just selling them like around school? Like where were we selling them?
0: So... I couldn't make this up. I sold them around school. I sold them in camp and I made, (laughs) I'm laughing because I'm seeing the picture in my head. I made a whole display case and then asked the store where I used to buy my supplies, the sewing and crafting store, if they would display it with my phone number for me to take orders.
1: Oh my goodness.
0: So early stage organic marketing strategy. And they just thought I was so adorable. They're like,
1: how could they turn down a little yeah I made this
0: whole display board with like sample bracelets and custom order forms that people crib off I did it on a typewriter the order forms the board was made with like fabric and pins and yeah
1: so profitable (laughs) like you were making money oh
0: I was legit profitable I sold those bracelets for two dollars cost of goods sold I think was about 15 cents max but I didn't pay for it And I used to use five-star notebook covers, those plastic notebook covers, but my parents wouldn't buy me five-star notebooks. So I had to get them from friends whose parents (laughs) would buy them five-star notebooks. And sometimes I had to barter. This is my early stage business strategy. I'd have to barter like a bracelet or a discount in order to get their notebook cover. Some people just give it to me for free, but my parents wouldn't buy me the notebook. So I couldn't get all of my supplies. So I had to figure out how to get it from other people.
1: Did your parents know what was going on? They just. I don't I, think they
0: fully got it until I got back from summer camp that year with an envelope full of money on back orders. Oh, yes. And they were like, excuse me? I was like, yeah, but don't worry about it. No one's going to remember. I don't have to fill them. Oh, yes, you do. <laughs> okay, you will mail every one of those kids what they asked for. Yes, you do. And there was born my integrity.
1: Were your parents entrepreneurs or were they just...
0: Not my mom. My dad was a diamond dealer. So like an entrepreneur, broker style. Yeah, Brokerage never worked for me. I tried it actually. I did business brokerage for a little bit. My dad... So he did... He was working on his own, but as a broker. So I do remember him as an entrepreneur, but different than the kind of stuff I've always done.
1: Cool. Tell me about the business you ran as a senior in high school.
0: Oh, That's probably my favorite one. Definitely the most profitable of my childhood years. It was a note copying business.
1: Ooh, love it.
0: (laughs) Our senior year of high school, as some seniors tend to be slightly less academically inclined, we (laughs) had only three people in our grade who actually took notes in classes. And of those three, one was like a, those notes are all mine. The rest of you can like, And two of the students who took notes were like, oh, yeah, we don't mind sharing. That's fine. It's just very open hearted. We don't care. We took notes for ourselves if you want them. Great. And since the rest of the grade, it was a small private school. So I think we had, I don't know, 30, 40 people in the grade. And some people didn't care, didn't need it. But what started happening was there would be a line to borrow the notes because this is an all girls private high school.
1: Okay.
3: It's
0: a little clicky. So one girl would do it for herself, borrow it, photocopy it, bring them back. Then the next girl would borrow it for her and her two friends and then bring them back. And I was like, A, this is stupid. B, I don't like waiting in line. C, the people who took notes started getting nervous because this is in the days of pre-tech. I'm older than I look. And they're like, these are loosely papers. Like they're afraid of their notes getting lost. So many people are borrowing them in their notebooks. And so I was like, okay, guys, hey, I got an idea. I'm going to do you all a favor. Here's what we're going to do. I'm gonna copy notes for everyone. I know you love me. I'm so kind. You will pay me the exact same price you would pay the store. You will just tell me what notes you want. Do you want girl A, girl B, or both? And I will hand deliver them for you, sun, rain, or shine. I'm from New York. Okay. So there was a lot of snow. And everyone's, oh yeah, that sounds like a great deal. I go to the store across the street. I said, Hey, I'm gonna be photocopying many thousands of pages of notes over the next year. So I would like a discount. Thank you. And so everyone <laughs> paid what they would have paid themselves at the store, right? The, the full rate for the small amount of copies they would make. I paid the super discount rate because I made all the copies, got my notes for free, caught yes. them on time. I don't remember how many hundreds of dollars I made off of that, but I did get a full scholarship to business school from that story. So that was very lucrative.
1: You told that story to get into business school?
0: <laughs> that was my scholarship application. I got a full scholarship.
1: Oh, the resourcefulness probably just <laughs> won them over.
0: I think so. I don't need business school, so I think they were just like, "Yeah, we'll take you. You seem to know how this thing works."
1: Or they wanted your uh, no-ticky business to travel to their place. <laughs>
0: Maybe, but I got the scholarship covered tuition, books, and transport. Like it was quite nice,
1: actually. Amazing, amazing. Yeah.
0: So that was definitely my most profitable of my yeah. childhood years.
1: Sounds like you had some fun
0: too. I did. Just makes me. I really like solving problems in a novel way that other people don't think of. That's one of my superpowers. I believe success comes when I solve problems in a way that then helps others. And so there was a a problem here. I wanted notes. Other people wanted notes. People who were taking the notes were getting nervous. And I was like, oh, there go all my grades for senior year (laughs) because I wasn't going to take notes. And so I had a problem. Others started having a problem. And I had a solution that had everybody win. Those are my favorite kinds of things.
1: You're also fearless, Esty. Who has the gall to go out and just do that? First of all, a 10-year-old, oh, I'm going to run a <laughs> racist business. Like just, you seem fearless.
0: A little bit. I will accept that, especially after doing my first hike to 15,000 feet with yeah. No visibility. Yeah, I will I will accept that compliment. Thank
1: you. Awesome. So <laughs> what did you do coming out of
0: Coming out of college, I was in the height of my religious fanaticism. Okay. And I was like religion is the answer and very spiritual I was always very spiritual it's part of how religion ended up calling me I found spirituality in religion and I was like on fire with it I majored in marketing and graphics and I went to a multinational nonprofit organization that does inspirational leadership and religious teachings. Okay. And I as you say Fearless. Okay, so this is how I got my first job out of college. I don't usually I haven't told this story. I don't know if almost ever. It's just never come up. So the way I got my first job out of college, I was interviewing at like Bloomberg and all these places, but I was so idealistic at that time. I was like I can't dedicate my time and energy to just money. I just couldn't <laughs> do it. And I had been teaching on the side also in high schools also just around the community inspirational I was never into teaching religious law but always into teaching kind of philosophy and life improvement and that kind of stuff and so I had launched my own kind of teaching club I guess like I'd done it through one of the clubs in university but I had used my graphic skills to design my own flyers. And I'd been teaching at the university, not through the college, like just to students, dispersing yeah. flyers. And I have a solid following. And so I had been using the resources from this organization that I was finding online. And uh-huh. I was like, I want to work for them. I'm already teaching a lot of their stuff, my own stuff. I want to work for them. So I found the address of the nearest satellite. They had locations all over the world. I found location of the nearest satellite. It was in uptown Manhattan. And I took my little folio of all of my teaching classes Took three trains to get up to the upper, I think it was upper east side, upper west side of Manhattan, knocked on the door. Hi, I'm Esty, and I already teach your stuff. I'd like to work here. (laughs) And that is how I got my first job.
1: Hey, Innovative Founder listeners, Bob Brickner is here and we are excited about a new resource we've launched. It's called the Ultimate Guide for Building Trust and Creating Customers for Life. It is a video guide that is A to Z going to help you use video to get connected and build trust and create more customers with your and for your business. Go to ultimatevideoguide.com. That's ultimatevideoguide.com download our 30 page book it is worth at least $39 we're giving it away for free and you are going to learn the big questions that people have about video what do I say how do I get it done and what do I do with it when it's done detailed information about how to do all of those things to use video to create customers and build trust ultimate video now back to the show
2: You're listening to The Innovative Founder. Now, back to your hosts, Bob Rickneris and Brandon Boyd. See, you just walk into places and you're so confident.
1: Like, they're just be like, okay. Yeah, and it took an
0: extra minute. It took a minute. He's like, do you want to fundraise your salary? Because it's a nonprofit. I was like, no, I don't do fundraising. Call me when you have money.
1: (laughs) Whoa, okay.
0: I went home and they called me, I think a few weeks later, That a sister organization of theirs was looking for someone not to do teaching so much as like more office work, I'll serve the cause. I don't care. I worked there just for a short amount of time. And then I ended up transferring to the original place because someone there was moving and they were like, okay, come on, we got budget for you.
1: So you got to where you wanted to be. I got to exactly where I wanted to be. I haven't thought so now, about that in years. Wow. So cool. Now, yeah. that's not entrepreneurial. Non-for-profits are far from it. So that's coming from great. being an entrepreneur. So like, how did you thrive, survive in that environment? What was it? So
3: To me,
0: it really is all the same stuff, right? So as an entrepreneur, I'm looking for solutions to problems. Okay. Money is a good byproduct. In a nonprofit, I'm offering solutions to problems and I may just need money to make it happen. And that's how I see it. I, I did very well. I struggled a little bit with, okay, so truth be told, I struggled with having a boss. That was a little hard.
1: Yeah, um, <laughs> as it is for most.
0: I'd worked other jobs with bosses. So I, I'm a, a couple of days over, over 21 now. And in my early 20s, I had a job with a great boss who was a leader of leaders. Also in my late 20s, I had a job like that. But when I've had bosses who are what I call leaders of followers, I don't do well because mm-hmm. I'm a problem solver. And I'm okay. a, a solutionizer. And when I see a problem, when I see anything, my super skill is to make it better. There are people who like that and appreciate that. And in those environments, I thrive. So I've had jobs with bosses who are just like, oh, this is a deal. Not only are you going to do the job I want you, you're going to make things better. They're thrilled. I've got free reign. I feel self-expressed. I'm super happy. That job specifically, the boss was not one of those. He felt threatened. He felt upfronted, criticized. I don't know. I was in my, I was like 21. I was a baby. We didn't get on very well. And I ended up actually getting married less than a year into that job and moving countries. So I stayed <laughs> that long, but the experience was great.
1: Yeah,
0: And so- I ended up staying in those circles of working in these multinational nonprofits. I ended up moving to another one, becoming the CIO of that one before I left to start my companies.
1: So what was the propulsion or was there an event that led you to like, Hey, I'm ready to go out on my own. So
0: what seems to happen for me, and I don't know if anyone else can relate. I seem to need the universe, not just to give me a kick in the pants, but to lift me up by the pants and then drag me out of somewhere when I'm comfortable.
1: All right. Like the big claw, like the big claw machine. Okay.
0: Pretty much. So I need the claw machine because the universe starts to give me a sign. It's like, Hey, time to move on. I'm like, no, that sounds scary. I don't really want to do that. I, I'm someone who takes very strategically calculated risk. Okay. I used to say risk averse, but it's not really true. I take strategically calculated risk. And I looked at that risk and I'm like, this doesn't feel like something I really want to do. So I'm going to stay here, even though it's uncomfortable. And then the universe makes it a little more uncomfortable. And I'm like, nope, I can handle it. I'm going to stay here. And you're just like, really think you should go. I'm like, no, I could, I could deal with this. I really think I should stay until the universe, like a big claw hand just like, all right, that's it. Get the fuck out.
1: Go. <laughs> you were moving. <laughs> <laughs> I love it.
0: Yeah. So no, from when I went to to launch my companies, I had three little kids at the time. I was the sole provider of our growing family. I really loved my job until they hired this middle manager who was super toxic, took my team, okay. took my trips. I was supposed to travel like Argentina and Moscow, I remember. And he was like, nope, your trips are my tips. Your team was my team. And you're my new secretary.
1: Oh, okay. So I was like,
0: I'm good at a lot of things. I'm not the best secretary. I'm not. I'm very organized. But I'm not great at making coffee. I don't really <laughs> drink coffee. Terrible coffee maker. Don't love sending faxes. In those days, we still sent faxes.
3: Yeah,
0: I remember that. And it became so much drama and just untenable to the point that I was not a present mother. I was crying all. I was miserable, and I had this dream of doing small business consulting. This is 2011. No one. Was doing this then. This is not like today when everyone and their brother sister's dog walker is a marketing consultant, right? Okay. I was like, <laughs> there were big consulting firms, and there were people who just figured it out on their own, and that was the landscape. And I just had this dream of doing small business consulting, and that was the universe kind of nudging me. I was so passionate about it, and I was like, nope, nope, not gonna leave, not gonna leave until the big claw hands get you have stuff to do. And I left in like a. There was like a whole moment one night where I was putting my kids to bed and I always said bedtime prayers with my kids without a phone, without any distractions. That was like dedicated time. Yeah, I learned something once that you can be a good parent in just 30 minutes a day, 10 minutes (laughs) when your kids wake up, 10 minutes when they get home from school and 10 minutes at bedtime. If you are fully dedicated in those time slots, you've already done so much. So that was one of the things that I had taken on myself, dedicated in the morning and that night... There had been so much drama with this new guy in the organization. I had my phone with me. Because all the staff were like, did you hear what he did? Did you hear what he did? Because he didn't just oh. take my team and mess things up. He was like a bull in a china shop. This guy was sure. just toxic. He was making a huge mess of everything. But it was a nonprofit. And so it's not managed by its managers. It's managed. It's run by its donors. And the donors wanted this guy in. And so it didn't really matter that he was making mess. They liked him. They wanted him. They didn't really care. He, by the way, mm. he lasted less than two years. He was thrown out. He made a giant mess before he left. Um, but I was gone after about three months. <laughs> I, was, okay. I was the first main threat casualty of that. Situation. And uh, I remember my phone rang in the middle of bedtime prayers, and my then husband said to me, Estee, this is not who you are, and it's not who you want to be. And it wasn't criticism. He was right. I was going against my own core values because I was so drawn into the drama.
1: It was a a truthful observation.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I quit that night. I sent an email that night quitting. It's like, I can't do it anymore. And it had been like really pressurized, but recognizing how far I'd gone from my own. Values was this aha moment for me. Yeah. And I left and then I was like, oh, now what do I do?
1: (laughs) So now you you thrust yourself into the world of consulting. And I I, I understand that you were almost dissuaded from a McKinsey consultant doing that.
0: This is true. I... Started So I had this dream, but like I said, strategically calculated risk, just going out as an yeah. entrepreneur when I'd always had side hustles, but I'd right. never been a full-time entrepreneur, didn't make sense to me. So I was like, okay, this maybe could be one of my side hustles, but I need a job. I need oh, a job. Okay. So I took on business brokerage. That's when I did business brokerage. I worked for the Mobile Marketing Association in sales support, which was great, just getting into the latest in marketing coming from the nonprofit world. Sure. And I started my own thing, but I was looking... a full-time c-level job that's what i wanted that's what i was coming from i wanted and i wanted as i felt was appropriate because i'm in charge i wanted a high salary with a lot of flexibility and intellectual challenge i didn't think that was too much to ask for but it was none of that was available (laughs) but Uh, i thought but it was i could find two out of three i couldn't find all three i found things that looked challenging but didn't pay well I found things that were challenging and paid well but had no flexibility and I wasn't be able to be a parent, which is the whole reason I quit. I found things that were flexible but not challenging. <laughs> like, I didn't find yeah. anything that had my little trifecta of values and decided that I just had to go on my own. But one of one of these moments, I was meeting with this headhunter who was a former McKinsey consultant. And I was and so excited.
1: McKinsey is like the 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 yeah. big consulting firm in the world.
0: Exactly. And this woman's like my idol, right? Because she's a former McKinsey consultant doing headhunting from her living room. And I'm like, like, you are. I want to do you. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And I really had this dream of doing small business consulting. Like, she was doing the exact, not in the way I wanted to do it, but she was running her own business with her own simulation on her skills, like doing the thing I wanted to do. Yeah. And so in our interview process, she said to me, she's like, listen, Essie, you seem like a great candidate. You're smart. You're witty. Like, I have job ideas for you. And she even put me on interviews. She's tell me, what's the real dream? Like, what do you really want to do? And I'm like, I'm going to confide in her because like she's living my dream. She could help me. And I tell him, like, I want to do small business consultant. I see all these people out this is 2011. I see all these people out there. I meet them in the cafes. I'm oh you're so talented. You should sell your cupcakes for a dollar. It'll be amazing. I'm like, oh, I can help you. Everything I touch turns to money. Okay. I know how to turn anything into money. This is my skill set. I can help. And that was my dream, but I had no idea how to do it. I went to business school, but they didn't teach you how to be a consultant. Nope. No idea what I was doing. I just understood business and I knew I could help people. And I decided I wanted to call it consulting because there's a story behind why. And I'll never forget. She looked at me and she's, I no one will take you seriously. No one will hire you. You need another 20 years C-level experience before anyone pays you for your advice. I was in my 20s. And I was devastated. I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Because someone who was what I considered could be a mentor was like, no, listen, honey, I know all the things you don't know and mm. you cannot do the thing you want to do. But <laughs> as my daughter says as well, one of the best ways to get me to do something is to tell me I can't do it. <laughs> Please tell me that I cannot do something just so that I can show you I can.
1: Yes. And that's what launched. And that,
0: that was definitely a defining moment. It was a defining moment of devastation and also of determination for yeah. me. Where I was like, you know what? I don't care what you think. I'm gonna do this because I believe in it. The same, like I was saying with my divorce, like all the odds are stacked against me. I have no leverage, it makes no sense. Every expert, every mediator, and every lawyer said, Estee, hype dream. You are never going to get even close mm. to what you want. You should sign this deal. You should propose this deal. And I was like, no. And there were moments where I almost signed things and then it got derailed because the universe was like, no, I'm, I got you on track. And this the same kind of idea. I was just like, this vision in my heart was so strong for the consultancy I wanted to build. I was like, I got to try. I yeah. know I don't know what I'm doing and I know it doesn't make any sense. And I know no one else thinks I can do it, but I think I can And then I did.
1: And then you did. And then I did. Yeah. It it took a
0: couple of years and moving countries took seven years till we were fully multinational. We had staff and clients in 10 different time zones on six continents. We were doing many hundreds of thousands of dollars annually and all organic, no paid ads, my own game.
1: I remember that the first time we met, I was on your show talking about Facebook ads and you're like, yeah, yeah you're an expert at that, but I've done all, I've done mine all, all organic, yeah. which was impressive. Not many people Thank could you. say that.
0: Yeah. I like to play my own game. <laughs> and I believe in Facebook ads in the way that you do when yeah. they're done properly, when they're done, when there's already a proven offer and you know the problems and you know how to hit it. Not the way so many micro business owners do it, which is just spray and pray. Hey, this thing called Facebook ads. I'm going to just spray them.
1: Here's the answer.
0: Pray that it works. Yeah. And that's not how we do anything. But I do love the ability to target things organically, to test things organically. Once you have something mastered organically, go ahead and throw money on it. It's fuel on a fire. But if you've got no fire burning, you're just making a greasy yeah. mess.
1: So as you come into this, the present again, I know you slowed your business down. Have you been ramping it up and are you working with the same types of clients or are you moving into something new?
0: Yeah. So fascinatingly, I stayed with my roots as I started to get back into it over the course of this year and even more so over the last number of months. I found that my passion still lies with the exact same people it's been with the whole time. The micro, I call them micro printers, right? Like these are the micro business owners. They're earning anywhere between usually under six figures, very okay. often between 20 and 50. And they're trying to get to that new million dollars in revenue. Some of my clients come in to do their first million in the first year. They're launching bigger companies, their startups or their healthcare or their some of my clients are coming to do that first million in year one. And we build that for them. But some of them are trying to do six figures in year one or even sizable five figures in year one. And they're just, they're lost and they want to know how this thing works. We've brought back our award-winning marketing program, which we put to sleep a few years ago. That's back in active. We got reactivated a few months ago. And the thing that I'm most excited about is that we are, don't tell anyone except everyone who's listening. We're about to launch our certified marketing consultant program which we've just crunched the numbers last week. I'm working with one of the OGs. I'm working with an amazing man who helped launch BBI with Tony Robbins and Chet Holmes. He is like the original who built these kinds of certified business consulting programs. And he's guiding me.
3: Wow.
0: And we just crunched the numbers. Our certified marketing consultants will be able to earn an easy $150,000 to $200,000 a year helping people with the materials and the strategies that I've developed over the last 12 years. And that makes me so excited because I've already been able to scale myself to a certain extent through the business school and the online training programs that we run in addition to our one-on-one client work. But I still am just one person, even when I lead those programs. So now instead of working with one client at a time, I can put 30 to 50 people in a program. Great. But there are hundreds of thousands of business owners out there and would-be business owners out there who are just getting more and more confused and more and more stuck. And uh, I know from experience that the stuff that we teach and the process we put people through transforms them, transforms Mm. their understanding, gives them clarity where it was confusing, helps them leverage their skills, saves them a ton of money, earns them money, stabilizes their business. And to be able to generate essentially a business in a box for our certified marketing consultants and hand them that business... I told you, I love things that are win, right? So yes, now yes. all the marketers that need more leads that are in our marketing bucket win because, and and their marketing tools are better because we're training them. We have people who aren't necessarily the kind of people like me who love to create and build systems. They're really good at implementing them and sharing them and they're good coaches and guides, but they need the frameworks to teach and guide with. I have a whole income for them that can support them and their families. And through that, All the people that I want to serve all over the world have an affordable solution to get not only group guidance, but even one-on-one guidance. And I'm really excited.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Such a big undertaking, but I think it's going to impact so many people. And you're building into that program, what you've done, what you've experienced, what you've encountered, what works, and then your stick-to-itiveness, your drive, your passion, it's all included with that. And they're getting that when they join you.
0: Yeah. They're also getting something that I didn't realize until we started building out this program. I've really developed a certain coaching model through coaching hundreds, might be close to a thousand now of entrepreneurs over 12 years. I've clocked 15,000 hours plus of working with micro business owners in the last decade. Plus I have a certain method that I use for coaching that I didn't even realize until some of my strategists were like, okay, SD, but how would you do this? And I'm like, Oh, like this, even people who've been certified coaches from other places, these are nuances that I didn't realize I had developed
1: that are unique to you.
0: Yeah. And so we're adding that entire piece of not only what are the strategies and frameworks, how do you coach people through that? How do you get people through that transformation where they go from being confused to clear? It's not just informational. It is a confidence element. There is information, but there's people say, like, like I said, we come to the marketing, we stay for everything else there's a transformation. You're not the same on the other side. Business differently. You see the world differently. You feel comfortable selling because you know, it doesn't have to be salesy. You feel comfortable charging because you understand how to put a price tag on your services or talents or offers and the things you want to do. It makes sense. Yeah, It makes sense. Uh, there's ways to guide people there. And so not only putting into it the frameworks, but giving people those tools that, that I hadn't even realized I'd developed, but that Have. And that's stuff I've never taught before, except privately within the company. So that's so exciting.
1: Now it's time for that to get out. I think it is.
0: Yeah. And we've been codifying it with the other strategists. Oh, I have a way that we start our calls. I have a way that we end our calls. I have a way that we pre end our calls. I didn't realize, but I had my strategist just study a lot of my coaching calls. That was part of my training for our internal team. And they're like, Estee, I've noticed that you do this thing again. And I'm like, you're right. I do. I didn't even realize that.
1: That's so cool. And sometimes you need people from the outside to see it. Absolutely. And help help you document it. So cool. You've teased us enough on it. Like, Where can people find out about it?
0: So I'm going to tell you now that the best place to get started is just to go to sdstar.com slash free gifts. Because this is still private information. It's going to start going live in the next few weeks. We're going to do a big launch of the marketing program to the public. So far, it's only been done through private partners and then certification within the next few months as we have it all laid out on the back end. But ststar, E-S-T-I-E-S-T-A-R-R.com slash free gift. We'll always have something cool at the moment. It has a three-day marketing success challenge that's going to get a paywall soon, but you can get it for free right now. It'll be about $300 soon. And once we get all this lined up, we're moving the free things to paid things and putting other free things there. But... There will always be a free thing, sdstar.com slash free gift. And I'm hard to lose. I did lose the, I didn't lose. If you look up my old married name, you will still find that SD Rand owns the first 30 pages of Google, but SD <laughs> Star is not bad. A couple months in, and I think I are in the first two to five pages. Like, it's not terrible. Yeah. It's okay. I'm catching up quick. Good.
1: Yeah, you're catching up quick. You had a big, SD Rand had a pretty big head start, so. He
0: did, he did. It took her 10 years, and I think it'll take me about two.
1: Yeah. Things move faster these days.
0: This is also so, true. And I know but, how the um, game is played now. It's took good yeah. thing to figure it out and play it. Now I'm just straight into play.
1: <laughs> well, Esty, feels like a good place to end. I'm so glad I got to introduce you to some people that haven't met you. And I also don't want to keep you from that beautiful jungle of Guatemala behind you because I know that it's probably time to go play at the pool or something.
0: Absolutely. It's almost <laughs> lunch that the chefs have prepared that it's really yummy actually. I've been eating so well. My yeah, my clothes are fitting better. I'm happy.
1: That's fantastic. It has been a privilege to have you take time out for that. Thank you for honoring us with your presence and sharing those stories. Some good stuff, some emotional stuff, but I think I think people are going to benefit from it. I think they're going to be they're going to be touched by it. So thanks for being transparent with us and sharing that today.
0: Sure. Thank you for having me. And I do really believe that everything that we go through and get to the other side of can inspire someone else. I've been so inspired by other people's stories when I was in my dark points and being on the other side of so many things now over the last number of years, I'd be really happy for that to give someone else the light that they need.
1: That's fantastic. Have a fantastic rest of your day and thanks for joining us. Thank you.
2: Thank you for listening to The Innovative Founder with Bob Regnerus and Brandon Boyd. A show featuring the real stories of entrepreneurs, making their beautiful dent in the world. If you like the show, let us know by leaving a rating. If you're an innovative business founder yourself with a story to tell, then you might just be our next guest. Reach out to us on InnovativeFounder.com and tell us your story. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time on The Innovative Founder.